Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here, Amazing Business Radio. Another episode. Very excited because we're bringing somebody back. Uh, Jeff Toyster is going to talk to us about his latest book, which is titled Getting Service Right, Overcoming the Hidden Obstacles to Outstanding Customer Service. A lot of his book focuses on employees. And I know I've said this probably a dozen times over the last few years as we've been doing this show that I believe what's happening on the inside of a company is felt on the outside by the customer. And what I want to talk about for this uh, setup to the interview and the short little monologue is that recognizing that um, even though we hire people to deliver great customer service, we teach them about the products that we sell, how to answer the questions that are going to be asked, I think it's so important to give the customers, excuse me, to give the employees what they need to do the job uh, effectively for customers. It's not like just be nice and take care of the customer. There's so much more to it than that. Uh, You have to um, create a system. Uh, Well, first of all, you have to hire the right people with the right attitude. Then you've got to train them initially. And then I want to emphasize again and again, you've got to continuously train them, remind them of, of what they need to do. Uh, to deliver a great service experience. You've got to uh, support them in, in ways that motivate them. Here's what I want you to realize. when, if you, And if you assign somebody the job in the role of taking care of customers in a support role, maybe they're part of a huge customer service or support department. And that's where it gets interesting because that means everybody is there to listen to the problems that customers have. Now, some customers are nicer about it than others. Some are friendly. Some just want a question answered, but many are calling because they have a problem. And if you put them on hold for an extreme period of time, if they find it difficult to uh, connect with you, uh, it's hard to find your phone number on a website, if they uh, go down a self-service option and get frustrated and then they have to call you and they're talking to somebody and now they have to start all over again. What we need to do is we need to give our, our people that are dealing with the customers a system, whether a software program or some type of system that makes it easy for them to be able to deal with the customer, to be able to have a customer call in and they're looking at the customer's profile and they say, oh, I see you've been on our website and you were ac- accessing some of our self-help. Did you have a problem with that? It's like all of a sudden the customer knows we're on the same page. So what are you doing for your employees to make their job easier so they can be more effective for their customers? What tools are you giving the employees? What training are you giving the employees? Because if you want them to do a great job, everything you do internally reflects on the job that they're going to deliver to the customer on the outside. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we do, we will be back with Jeff Toyster, a great colleague and friend. And I look forward to that interview. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So, what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient 
for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. I promised you an amazing interview today, and that's what's going to happen. Jeff Toyster is back again. He, uh, gosh, I don't remember how long it was, maybe a year or so ago, uh, an amazing guest, talked about his new book, and now he has a second edition of a book, but he'll tell us that it's really not a second edition. It's practically a brand new book. The title is in, is uh, Getting Service Right, Overcoming the Hidden Obstacles to Outstanding customer service. That's what this whole show is about, creating an amazing experience for our customers. So Jeff, welcome back to Amazing Business Radio. Jeff, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here, although I'm a little nervous because you said it's going to be an amazing interview. So I feel like I have I have to step up for this one. Okay, so the pressure's on. If you don't deliver, we're not <laughs> going to publish the interview. How's that? That's right. That's so right. for those of you listening, we decided it was amazing and he stayed on. <laughs> <laughs> so so there you go. All right. So first of all, before we jump into this, I mean, you've been doing this a while. Quick little background. Remind people who you are, where you came from, what do you do? Sure. So I, I've been a, a customer service trainer my entire career, uh, well over 20 years. And uh, for the past probably 10, 15 years, I've been focusing on helping customer service teams unlock their hidden potential. Mm-hmm. And what that specifically means is our employees have the opportunity to do great things, but they don't always do that. And what I spend my time working on is trying to uncover the mysteries as to why don't our employees perform at the highest level more consistently and how can we help them? And that's really what the book is about. It's unlocking some of those mysteries. Right. And so really, even if you don't have a customer service department, this is great for any employee on your team who interacts really with anybody, but especially with customers. It is. I try to make it universal. So if you're serving on the front lines and you're just trying to figure out why is it so hard for me personally sometimes, you can find lessons from this book. If you're a manager and you have a team, whether it's in a retail environment, in a contact center environment, any environment where there's customers involved, even internal customers, this will help you diagnose challenges that your team faces and even if you're a senior leader, you're saying, hey, you know, how do I get my organization pointed in the right direction? This will help you uncover some challenges. Perfect. All right. So let's jump into the book. Uh, first of all, it is considered a second edition, but you really, uh, you changed the title, which I, to me, that makes it almost a first edition. And you said it's a pretty big rewrite. Give us some insight as to, you know, what this book is about. And, you know, we're going to talk about some of the lessons and nuggets that are in this book so we can tease the audience to want to go out and buy it like right away. Sure. Don't you well, love that? The, the, you know, I give you the no, shameless plug yeah. so you don't have to do it yourself. <laughs> I appreciate that. The, the, the book really came from a lot of different questions I got from customer service leaders who would say, you know, I, I see my employees do a great job if they don't do it consistently. Or I know this person is, is capable and for some reason, I can't figure out how to get them to rise up to their capabilities. And I started really investigating, you know, why is that? And, and come to find out, you know this and I know this, but 
I think a lot of people take for granted that customer service is hard. It's not easy. Maybe some of some people make it look easy, but at times it can really be difficult. And so I wanted to figure out what are some of those obstacles that get in the way. And that's really what the book is about. I, I identified 10 major obstacles, and I want to be clear, they're not the only obstacles. They're just the ones I hear about from customer service leaders most often. And we look at why is it an obstacle, how does it get in the way, and uh, what we can do about it. And, you know, I'll give you a, a, an example. We've all faced angry or upset customers. And the advice I got when I was on the front lines, and many service leaders give this advice, is they'll tell, you know, tell the employee, well, don't take it personally. Right. Yeah, that's that's that not easy is, to do. It's, you know, it, no, it, it, I get it. Not. Don't take it personally. The person's young. Well, how am I supposed to take it? I mean, you got to understand that's right. yeah, <laughs> what, the, what they mean is it wasn't your fault. So recognizing exactly. that it's not your fault, realize they're not mad at you. They're mad at the company. So go ahead. I want to hear what your philosophy is here. Well, no, and then that's exactly right. And that's a very rational explanation when you're in the moment with that angry customer, it's really difficult to remember that because as human beings, we have an instinct called the, the fight or flight response. And if you take that encounter and put it in any other situation, that's not a customer service situation. Our instinct would be to fight, not necessarily physically, but to maybe argue with the person or flight, get away from this person, run away, it, it, you know, get out of this conversation. And in customer service, we're not supposed to do either of those things. So our instinct is pushing us to do the wrong thing when we're dealing with an angry customer. And it really takes, I think, a lot of training and experience to recognize the signs of those symptoms, take that deep breath, and then remember, you know, just as you described it, the advice is really, they're not angry at us, we're angry at the situation. How can I move from an adversarial relationship to maybe a partnering relationship with this customer and try to help guide them to a successful resolution. It's difficult if we don't at least acknowledge that our instinct as a human being is pushing us in the wrong direction. All right. So I'm going to ask you for us. I want a tangible tactical takeaway based on this situation where people go, okay, I get, it. I can use that today. Give me an example uh, of a situation and the right way to handle it. So this is the simplest and, and easiest step to dealing with an angry customer is recognizing the fight or flight instinct that it, as it's occurring and signs of that, you, you might feel like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You, you, you might feel like your blood pressure rising. You, you might feel like you're getting a little bit of tunnel vision or just a, a, a really almost uncontrollable urge to either get away from this person or get defensive and argue. So, the tip that you can apply right away is to recognize when those symptoms are happening and remember what many of our moms told us, which is think before you act. So when you recognize those symptoms, take even a second or less to acknowledge you're feeling that way, take a little deep breath, and then choose an alternative approach. Even recognizing the symptoms and realizing you're about to do the wrong thing is often enough to help us reroute ourselves and start providing a service that, that we're capable of providing. Okay, good. Uh, so makes sense. Probably easier said than done, but I feel like I'm getting angry. Or this customer's riling me up. They're angry at me. They're angry at the company. They're taking it out on me. And how do I, I mean, 
what's the, I mean, I could say, hey, I understand how you feel. I would feel that way too in this nice, calm voice. And I could see the customer going, why are you talking to me that way? (laughs) So what, (laughs) I want to diffuse that customer's anger. What am I going to do to make that happen? Well, here's another thing that, that is counterintuitive in customer service. Even if I think that, okay, I, I understand they're not angry at me, they're angry at the company. I want to diffuse their anger. Our instincts and often our training is to jump right into solution mode. And I'm going to make them feel better if I solve their problem. But the way our, our human brains are wired, we actually focus on emotion first rather than rational thoughts. And so the counterintuitive solution in that scenario is actually spend a little extra time to let that customer vent. And, and I've talked to, to thousands of customer service reps who, who, who feel like they don't have time to do that. You know, maybe they're in a contact center and, you know, I talked to a rep recently who said, you know, I only have six minutes to solve the problem. And that doesn't give me enough time to listen to their story and make them feel better. I have to jump into the solution. Well, that that's going to push them away from listening and getting the customer to calm down and feel a bit better. So it takes a little bit time up front. The the outcome, though, is often that you can solve the problem a lot faster because once you help them feel a little bit more calm, a little bit better, they're more likely to listen to your suggestions and be open to your ideas for resolution. So one technique I I encourage people to use is is called the partner technique. And, And what this is, it's easier in person, but you can do it uh, over the phone or over the email, is rather than assuming an adversarial position, you actually imagine that you're partnering with them and working with them towards the solution. And the reason I say it's easier in person is, in person, you actually orient your body language uh, where instead of facing them directly, you kind of move to their side. So rather than facing them directly, moving to the side, you're kind of facing the problem side by side, working together. So you'd imagine, you know, I know you travel a lot, right? A, a, a gate agent's trying to get somebody on board, but they have too many bags and they're really upset. And that gate agent can stand right in front of them and it feels like an adversarial relationship. Or they can come around the podium, stand right next to that passenger and look at the bag together and say, let's figure out a solution. And just doing that with, with your body language and the way you approach the situation starts diffusing the person and helping them feel better. I like that. I have a technique that I use. I call it the that's right principle. And after they share what they're angry about and, you know, you can tell they're very upset, I simply ask the question, now, I know you're telling me this because you hope that I can resolve the issue, right? What are they going to say? No? Of course they're going to say yes, okay? (laughs) I go, that's right. And then I say, so what I'd like to do is, is I'm here to help you. Let's start from the beginning again. And, and I know there's an old, uh, I guess the, the rumor out there is that customers don't like to repeat themselves. And the reality of that is true with this caveat. They don't like to repeat themselves to multiple people. But if you say, okay, slow down. I'm here to help you. Uh, I want to start over, and I've got some questions to ask along the way. Would that be Okay. Who's going to say no to that? They're going to be happy that you're doing that. And so in a sense, I'm doing the same thing. To add to it, if I could make you feel like I'm partnering with you, and you know, I, I, when I sense the gate agent, I know that scenario because I do. I travel every single week, two, three times a week I'm on airplanes, minimum, round trips. And so when, that, when there's a guy at our 
airport in St. Louis that he'll say, come around here. I want to show you something. And he asked me because, you know, you just step, you know, it's easy to, to step around and look at his computer. This is what I'm doing. And he shows me all the, he shows me the seat map. This is why I can't get you yeah. on this flight. And I go, oh, okay, I see it now. I'm next to him. So, I mean, between the, the two of us, we're going to come out with the, the best ways to make these people happy. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the book, which is called Getting Service Right, Overcoming the Hidden Obstacles to Outstanding Customer Service. We are talking with Jeff Toyster, one of my friends and one of my colleagues here in the customer service and experience world. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jeff Toyster. By the way, you can get the book, uh, Getting Service Right, uh, by just going to Amazon. Why not? It's They have everything there, and they have Jeff Toyster's book. Jeff, you know, I I know that we think that customer service is common sense, and unfortunately, it's not always so common. Uh, people are complaining, and I hear it all the time. I believe it's not happening, but everybody thinks customer service is getting worse. Why do companies struggle with customer service? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked me about that, Chip, because I, I wanted to research that specific issue when I was writing the book and especially working on the update. And, and I actually, I reached out to a psychologist who gave me some very interesting insight, uh, which is imagine you're a customer service executive or, or an executive leader in an organization. The performance of that organization is, is a little bit tied to your identity. And so to admit that things are going wrong, it kind of feels like you're doing a bad job as a leader. And so there's this disconnect that executives have where they think that they're awesome, and it's kind of a protection mechanism. But I also discovered another piece of research which suggests that it's easier to ask our employees to do something difficult, like implement a bad, unfriendly policy, than it is to do it ourselves. And we know that too many executives uh, really spend little to no time talking to customers. So we, we have this executive disconnect, and that leads executives to think, well, service is easy. Service is common sense, so I'll create this great strategy, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell my employees to go implement it. And because we believe service is in, uh, easy, companies tend to underinvest in their employees. And when they do invest, it's often something like technology, which is great, but we still have a human side of the equation. Yeah, you've got to invest and, in training. So, that's it. Yep. And, and so... Uh, there's a couple of things I'm hearing there. Obviously, uh, training is great, onboarding, getting it right, uh, knowledge of the software, knowledge of the product, that's all important. Uh, soft skills, extremely important. Uh, I believe training isn't something you did, it's something you do. Man, people have heard me say this over and over again. I must say it in almost every episode. 
uh, of, of Amazing Business Radio, but it's ongoing. You've got to sustain it. But I want to go back to something you said as, as part of this explanation. You said many, um, many executives think they've got this customer service thing you know, dialed in and wired right, and, and they think it's good. There's a perception out there that it's good from the customer, from the uh, executive, or even the employee standpoint. But when you ask the customers, there's a disconnect. Some of them say, "No, not so good." Um, that's not what we're talking about here, but that's where my mind is going. I just want to get a couple of ideas and thoughts from you on that. Well, so here's something else that's kind of fascinating about that: is as human beings, we're naturally wired to notice things that are negative more than we notice things that are positive. For example, if you ask most people today, is is service getting better or worse? Most people anecdotally tell me, oh, it's getting worse. But if I look at things like the American Customer Satisfaction Index and some of these big ones, it's not. It's not getting worse. In fact, it's gotten slightly better in the last quarter or so. So there's a a perception that things are worse because of what we remember. And and I like to give this example. Uh, You know, most of us would say, you know, I get a lot of bad service, but the reality is most of our service interactions are good. But the problem with good is we don't remember good because it's exactly what we expect. It's just right. like when you walk into a room, you turn on the lights, you don't stand in amazement. That's what you expect it to happen. You mm-hmm. go on with your day. What people do remember, though, are things that are different than what's expected. The so lights great didn't service, go on when I turned, turned the switch. They don't go yeah. on. That's right. Now I'm angry. Now it's a right. hassle. <laughs> You remember the negative more because you remember, okay, now the stupid lights are out. Now I have to go get a light bulb, but that didn't work. Now I have to call an electrician, and it's a big hassle, and it's, oh, what an epic disappointment. The lights are always failing to come on. Well, no, they're not. It's, you know, that one time and then maybe two years ago, but for the most part, they came on. And once in a while, something good happens, and you turn the lights and your whole family there with your friends, and it's a big surprise party in your honor. Now, you'll remember that for sure, but that's that's not going to happen every day either. So good service happens most of the time, but but unfortunately what we remember tends to be the bad moments. Yeah, and isn't that frustrating for a lot of people? And and our goal is, uh, and by the way, you know, it, I think the reason also that people think service is getting worse is they're comparing whoever they're doing business with to the best service they've ever had, not to a direct competitor who offers uh, a similar level of service. So I think the bar is raised. Uh, and to your point about the uh, American ACSI, American Customer Satisfaction Index, there was one year, I think it was 2017, where every single sector of the world, of, of, of our you know, business economy, it retail, business to business, even government, their scores of basic customer satisfaction raised. But they didn't raise enough to keep up with the demanding expectations the customer had based on the rock stars that set the bar high. It's kind of an interesting, interesting uh, world out there that we're living in. It's that we've got to, we got to, uh, I guess, uh, deliver to a higher level than just our competitor, which we should be doing anyway. You're, you're right, and it's difficult. I had a conversation with a customer service leader recently who was trying to improve their order delivery accuracy, which is a huge, basic, fundamental pain point. And, and they were hoping to get into the mid-90s. And, and, and it was a combination of accuracy and timeliness. 
you know, orders delivered on time and accurate, you know, 95%. And I said, that's too low. It and is they, too low. kind of incredulous. Right. They said, what, what are you talking about? That'd be great for us. I said, have you ever ordered from Amazon? Well, yeah. Well, that's your standard. Right. <laughs> it's going to be tough, but you need to meet it. So I was just recently, I'm not going to tell you the name of the airline. That would be wrong. But they uh, were posting. <laughs> no, and, and actually, they're a great airline. I don't want to, I don't want to knock them. But but when my comment about this is in, about the airlines in general, uh, they were very proud of their on-time performance, which was 82%, which is considered very, very good in the airline industry. And the person that was sharing this with me and so proud, I said, uh, how many kids do you have? And she said, I have three kids. And I said, and uh, same doctor deliver all three kids? Yep. I said, now, if you found out that doctor dropped one out of every five babies that he or she delivered, you could just see her eyes get big. <laughs> and she goes, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, if they dropped one out of five of the babies, would you go to the OBGYN? Absolutely not. I said, if you hired a salesperson and that salesperson missed one out of every five appointments, by the way, 82% is almost one out of every five. But if they right. missed and were late to one out of every five appointments and you got a complaint about it, would you be happy? No. The car that takes you to work every day, if one day a week it didn't start and you were late to work and your job was in jeopardy as a result of that, would you be happy? Yeah. So are you still happy with the 82% on-time arrival? Not anymore. <laughs> so there's a standard, okay? And the standard is Amazon gets it to you every time. Why can't they get me to where I'm supposed to be every time? After all, I paid for this ticket. I paid a lot of money or you know, whatever. And you're right. We're being held to a higher standard. And, and that's the frustrating part, I think, for executives who, who will sometimes say, I, I, there's no way I can be the Amazon or if I'm an airline executive, there's no way I can be on time 99% of the time. And that's unreasonable. And, and sometimes I think they even get upset with customers who say, well, customers are too unreasonable and, and we're just going to have to do it this way. And, and you know, there's a there's a certain level of an airline will never be 99% on time. No, or at no least and it's impossible. Not anytime soon. And we don't. And by the way, <laughs> sure. I don't want to be up in the air when they find out there's a mechanical. You know, <laughs> right. I, I don't want to be up in the air when they realize we're not going to be able to land here because the weather's so bad. Uh, so I just assume, you know, let the airlines do their thing. And I realize that factors into the on-time performance. But here's the bottom line: you know, little things like, um, hey, I I showed up 10 minutes, actually nine minutes early for a flight. And the gentleman said, we closed the doors 10 minutes in advance of every flight. You, you know that. You travel a lot. I go, no, I do know that. And no, you don't. You don't close it because you're, you're late a lot of times and you don't get people boarded quickly enough. He goes, not on my planes. I said, you tell me you haven't had a late flight. And, and I started to argue with the guy and I realized this isn't going anywhere. But what I thought about was if I show up late even one minute late, even though I was nine minutes before the flight. And by the way, the reason I was one minute late is because, um, and it was, and again, this is important to note, I was nine minutes early for departure. Just their policy of closing that door 10 minutes early is why I didn't make that flight. That's fine. It's because my connecting flight was delayed, and I ran over there as fast right. as I could. So it really wasn't my fault. But even if it isn't or is my fault, I have to show up on time. Or the plane's going to take off without me. But if a flight attendant doesn't show up on time, if a fly, or if a captain gets caught in traffic on the way in, guess what? I'm sitting there waiting. No compensation for me 
being inconvenienced. But boy, if I show up late, forget about it. I'm nobody. And I think there, it's a shame. And that's a metaphor for almost any business. You need to recognize both sides of it. You can't paint this double standard. Anyway, I'm getting way off topic here. We only have a few (laughs) minutes left. What I want to do is give me one other great nugget from the book, and then I'm going to wrap up with my final one thing question. So I, I like, as a listener, I like when people share something you can implement right away. So I, I want to share with your listeners something that you can do immediately. And it's a little broad. So it, you can apply it to any situation. The next time you see one of your employees fall short of expectations, the instinct for leaders is often to jump to solutions and say, I know what they need. They need a training program or a new incentive or a new policy. Notice that instinct, catch it before you, before you act, and instead ask the question, why? Why did this employee act this way? And have a conversation with the employee. Get them involved. Partner with them and see if you can find the root cause. And I'll, I'll give you a real quick example. I was hired to do some customer service training once, and I like to spend some time ahead of time with the team. And what I did, um, what I realized was, they really didn't need training. The, the leader thought they were being too rude, but, but the problem was there were times a day when the wait time was 30 minutes to speak to someone. So oh, by no. the time they yeah. got a customer on the phone, the customers were fuming and angry, and that stressed them out, so they got a little abrupt with people to try to get them off the phone to get to the next person. The solution was actually just to do a better job of scheduling to, to meet demand so the right people we're in the right place at the right time. People didn't have to wait 30 minutes. All of a sudden, customer service reps were friendly again. Wow. So you've got to look at the symptom and really look behind the scenes to see what's driving this problem. And it's not just the attitude. The attitude uh, wasn't the answer. Obviously, yes, make sure you have to curb. If they do, if a customer does, in fact, have to wait and they come on upset, We've got to hire people and train them properly on how to manage it. But if you know the symptom is being driven by something you have other control over, you know, I think you need to, to exercise those alternatives. It's only fair. It's fair to your employees. And by the way, if you can't take care of those employees, they're not going to you know, engage the way you want them to with customers. All right. We are down to the one thing question. And you remember this from last time. What's the one thing you want to share with your people? Uh, that are listening. It could be something new or you can stress something you've already talked about. Well, I, I really think it's it's that, that ask why question and suspend judgment. Uh, as a customer service trainer, I would love to believe that training can fix everything. And most of the requests I get are for training. But take a moment to look at other possibilities and One of the things I've I've noticed for really effective customer service leaders, they do a great job of making it easy for their employees to deliver great service. They give them great products that they can stand behind with pride. They give them really simple tools that work very well, common sense policies. They empower them, and of course, they give them the training. So if you're a leader, find ways to make it easier for your employees to do the right thing and chances are they will. Ask why, suspend judgment, and make it easy for employees to give great customer service. We've been talking with Jeff Toyster, who is the author of Getting Service Right, Overcoming the Hidden Obstacles to Outstanding Customer Service. You can get that book 
the new edition, which actually is not just slightly revised, major revisions, new content. You can get that book today at Amazon.com. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for coming back. Chef, thanks for having me. It's always fun talking to you. You're a repeat offender, and I hope we get to do this again, uh, maybe even before your next book. We love hearing your thoughts and advice. Everybody, that's another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And until next week when we meet again, remember, Chef Hyken here, reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.